This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 40, the one about prospects, recorded on July 29th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always with your host, me, Matt Lyons. And this time, we're doing something a little different. Uh, Jason isn't here. He's up in Michigan doing something with family. And it's right before the deadline, so naturally we're going to use this time to talk about prospects for an hour. <laughs> I guess some of them are going to be traded, so we might as well just talk about all of them. And to do that, we've got some special guests. We've got, um, first of all, the last time Jason was out, uh, Matt Schlipping co-hosted, and he's back. Say hi, Matt. Yes, hi. hi. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> He's there, I promise. I didn't just make it up and then run over to his house and call from his phone. And I also have uh, Brian Heminger. If you've seen any of the minor league recaps, anything like that, you'll notice him, his name come up a lot and also all those great interviews and everything. So how you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Happy to be a, a part of the Let's Go Tribe team. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think you're technically our newest writer, right? Probably, yeah. I should know that probably, but I'm almost positive. I, I don't think anyone else has signed on since, you know, the first month of the season. Yeah. And of course, if we're doing prospect, I mean, it makes sense to have you on here the most, I think. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we also have somebody from outside perspective. Uh, uh, she's been following the Indians prospects a lot and actually asked to be on the podcast, so it worked out perfectly. Uh, Emily Walden, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. We're all great. Yeah. I mean, the last couple games... Maybe not so great to be an Indians fan, but at least it was a day off today, so no late blowouts or anything like that. I have a friend who's a Tigers fan that keeps posting the how many games behind they are every time they gain a game on us. So I just started <laughs> responding with the magic number. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just say the start to this season really was a good dose of humble pie for anyone who remotely cared about the Detroit Tigers because everything that could go wrong possibly went wrong until that sweet, sweet day when hope sprung eternal once again. So, <laughs> Well, my whole wife's family are Tigers fans, so it's been fun for me all year. It's kind of getting slightly less fun right now, but most of the season has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I can imagine, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the first thing, we didn't even have it on our little rundown here, but... Um, we almost stopped the podcast <laughs> to write about um, Carlos <laughs> Beltran being traded to the Indians, but that didn't happen. So if you woke up this, if you went to sleep right after seeing it on Twitter and woke up and listened to the podcast, it didn't happen. The Twins are just the Twins, and they were posting like potential trade scenarios on a tiny little scoreboard, and it just came up and it said Beltran to Indians, and everybody kind of freaked out. But there's no trade yet. Although now watch on that I say that yeah. between now and the small cast going out, it'll happen. And, and I'll step in. That's a trade that doesn't make any sense to me. The Indians already have uh, a guy that pretty much is a full-time DH between Napoli and, and Santana. Where, what would Beltran even do? Like, right, would he yeah. be Jason Giambi's status, late-game pinch hitting? He's too good of a hitter for that. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and right after it happened, one kind of interesting thing is they were fake accounts. So they were, like, scrambling the pick. Like which prospect can make sense for him to get retweeted, and the fake Buster only had Mike Clevenger, which nope. I don't think that works. <laughs> and then fake Not John Heyman had Brady Aiken. Although mm-hmm. that guy always uses Brady Aiken, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of his default. So uh, Yandy Diaz, maybe maybe before this week, he was the big name in AAA, but two players happened to stroll into Columbus that might have taken his thunder just a tiny bit. Uh, Clint Frazier and Bradley Zimmer, they are both now in AAA. Zimmer had a triple yesterday, I'm pretty sure. 
was it? Yeah, it was yesterday. He had his first triple in AAA. He's already been hitting well. Bradley Zimmer, we know they can play defense in center field really well. He's off to a slow start in AAA. It was like three games. So don't be worried quite yet. Um, what kind of impact do you think they're going to have uh, either this season? I don't know if they'll be here this season, but when do you think they will have an impact? And how big of an impact do you think it'll be? I think they both are on the Indians next season. I don't know if they call them up this year. The outfield this year doesn't, you know, that's not really an issue um, for the Indians. I mean, they've they've already got four people playing outfield that are doing a, a really good job. So I don't think they'll make a, a huge impact this year. I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if they got called up even during in September, because I don't think they're on the 40 man yet. They're, they're not qualified for it. Um, so they didn't have to rule five protect them. So uh, I, I would expect that they make the team some point next year. Maybe they, they pull like a Lindor where they call them up after, you know, so many days so that they can keep them an extra year. But if they really need them, then they could definitely call them up earlier next year. But I, I don't see an impact this year. I think this right now they're just – advancing them through the system because they have so many good young outfield prospects that they were tired of letting them stagnate in the other levels too. I would agree with Brian on that too. I know I talked with, um, I got to catch a double A Akron game when I was over in uh, Erie checking out the Seawolves and talked to David Wallace a little bit about just his thoughts on both Frazier and Zimmer. And he goes, you know, the only way I really know how to describe uh, Frazier is he's a stud. He goes, he's, he's a stud. And you can say the same for both of them. I mean, they've got so many tools working in their favor. Got to watch them in the outfield. They move so well. Get fantastic jumps on the ball. Uh, Zimmer, I feel, may have a bit of an edge power-wise at the plate. Um, but bat speed, I would definitely definitely give to Frazier. Um, his bat speed is just insane. Um, I think his swing needs a few holes patched in it um just i i think that that's just plate discipline in general that's going to develop overall but i would be very surprised if they get called up this year i'm definitely thinking 2017 and seeing that they are kind of a package deal i don't think anyone will have the heart to split the two of them up because they've gone everywhere together so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and somebody brought up on twitter the best nickname ever because we call clint fraser red thunder and somebody said that bradley zimmer should be white lightning and other teams get caught in the storm (laughs) That's the greatest nickname. I have heard other nicknames for Clint Fraser. Something about um, the Akron Cheeto. At <laughs> that was that was another like one. That one. His hair, his hair just got to this point that was so incredibly out of control <laughs> that I think people just started trying to get creative with their approach to it. But both classy guys. I got a chance to chat with both of them when I was in Erie. Just really, really good guys. They understand the game. They've got the skill set. Um, their promotion to AAA was no surprise to me. I know David Wallace probably cried a little bit inside losing them off his roster, but um, I think that they both have a big future ahead of them, no question. So they both, right now, they're both listed as center fielders. Where do they project as they advance to the Indian system? Because I agree, I don't think I, I don't think we see them in September necessarily. Mm-hmm. But as they move forward, does who... <sighs> If I remember correctly, Frazier has the better arm, so does he shift to right moving forward? Uh, Frazier can play both corner and then both corner spots, and Zimmer is definitely more of a traditional center fielder. Uh, I think Zimmer's got a little bit more speed, too, so he can cover more ground, and uh, Frazier has the cannon arm, so he can place the, the corner spots. When they're in most of the games, um, Frazier's been playing corner and, and Zimmer's been center field. 
So okay. that's what I would assume would happen. And 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 another reason why you don't really need to, to call him up right now has kind of been in the the sensation that has been uh, Tyler Naquin. So he hmm. like there's been no drastic need for for outfield help. Yes, let's let's go a little forward with that then. So if some reason Zimmer and Fraser are ready and there's no reason like say Naquin is hitting almost this well a year from now, how does that outfield look if both of Zimmer and Fraser need to come up one way or another? Mm-hmm. Is it Naquin and left, Fraser and right, Zimmer and center? Because I have to think Zimmer has the best outfield of all three of them, or the best center field defense of all three of them. Yeah, yeah. you got to factor in Michael Brantley. He's going to be healthy next year. So (laughs) um, you would think that Brantley is going to be in left. And if I had to choose between Naquin and Zimmer for center field defensively, I go Zimmer. You have to move uh, Naquin to right. So, And then I don't know how they're going to balance this because – I don't think anybody expected Naquin to take off like he did this season. So people were always just like, you know, it's just going to be Brantley, Zimmer, Frazier. It'll be easy. But they're making it really interesting. Yeah, and in that scenario, I think that Lonnie Chisenhall just ends up being like a career platoon bat and a very, Mm -hmm. very good one. Yeah. But there's just not space for him at that point if all of those guys are still destroying the baseball. And and I wouldn't be surprised to see them take it slow with with Zimmer and Frazier either. Like they're not going to step in and immediately start every day, especially if Lonnie's still there next year, batting about three hundred, doing his thing. And then you got Brantley and and Naquin. I, I don't know if Rajay Davis is going to be back next year. I doubt it because um, he would just be another uh, guy blocking the way for the the young guys. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they balance what what balance them in the next year if they don't get traded that's another thing is maybe don't do it brian i i, I know <laughs> don't do it don't even say <laughs> maybe one of them is tradable now with you know how many how much talent we have in the in the outfield yeah that was kind of thing i said last podcast is that i'm okay with dealing one of them now not both. mostly tyler Nathan. no way both no way no absolutely not. i don't care that's what that's an excellent question it really is because you look where where are the biggest holes to fill? Who can fill those holes the best? And honestly, if I had to pick between Frazier and Zimmer, I think I would go Zimmer. Um, I think he's more well-rounded overall. The thought of splitting the two of them up would be, you know, it's not something you want to think about. But um, Frazier, I watched him in left field the few games that I went to, um, and he he's he's just incredibly athletic all across the board. He does an exceptional job, but. It's hard. It's hard to decide, you know, who would be the best fit. And sometimes you don't know until you actually put them into the mix and go from there. So, yeah, people have got a little caught up in Frazier's hitting this season. But I think because you can't really look at the box score and see how well Zimmer is on defense. And I've seen a few games of his on TV. And then I saw a couple in Erie in person, too, because that's mm-hmm. where my family is. So we go watch games there. But I still think it's, I mean, it's really close. I wouldn't badger anybody who puts Zimmer first. But, I mean, that's still a close one-two race. So I don't think there's any guarantee that Frazier is the number one prospect now just because he's hitting better. And like you said, Zimmer has better power at times than Frazier does, too. I would agree. And there was there was actually one play where I saw when they were in Erie um, where Frazier actually went completely horizontal going after a fly ball, and you had Zimmer coming right up behind him. And I thought they, they just work as a one-two punch. You know, to make sure that that field is covered. And they both move well. Um, Zimmer moves a little bit quicker than Frazier, but like we were just saying, uh, Frazier's arm makes up for anything he lacks in speed. So they uh, they work very, very well together, no question. 
Brian already jinxed it by mentioning trading mm-hmm. <laughs> with Frazier and Zimmer. So if that happens, everybody can blame him. But okay, looking at all the prospects, who do we think is the most tradable? It doesn't have to be one or two, but any number of prospects you think that could and or should be dealt with the deadline to fix some kind of hole at the major league level. Um, maybe who you don't want to be traded, just who do you think is going to be traded out of the prospects of the deadline? It, it's tough. It depends on the return, but yeah, that's as I mentioned, yeah. I I did jinx it already. I would not be shocked to see maybe one of Frazier Zimmer. I mean, seriously, they have they better get something good, and it better not be a rental for <laughs> Frazier Zimmer, one of them. Uh, I could see that happening. I can see Eric Gonzalez going. I can see Mike Clevenger going. Uh, if for the right, it better be the right return, though. I mean, I have followed these guys all year, so I've started to get like an attachment to them. You see these box scores every <laughs> single day, so it kind of almost brings a tear to my thinking about any of them leaving. <laughs> but um, I can definitely see uh, we have so much pitching depth right now. Most of it is at the lower levels, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a pitcher go, maybe a lefty. We have a lot of southpaws in our minor league system right now with uh, Moramando, Merritt, um, Lugo, Brady, Aiken, Pannone. Um, I mean, it's just Hillman. There's so many left-handed starters in the system right now. I would not be shocked to see one of them go. Sheffield. I, I miss Sheffield, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was actually going to chime in on and say. From He's somebody who's grabbed my attention lately. Sheffield has. And he's somebody that I'm looking at him going, why not? I mean, he's got he's been putting up some numbers that have been pretty attractive. And he's somebody that, I mean, MLB Pipeline has him ranked at number five right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to maybe dangle him out a little bit and see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if they are now, even at the trade deadline. Because that's a pretty legitimate swap there to do justice Sheffield for a reliever, I think. Obviously, there'd be more. but And you mentioned that. Uh, Brian, you mentioned Mike Clevenger. I was kind of going the opposite direction would be like the lower end pitchers. I don't know what kind of value they would have, but someone like Tristan McKenzie or Juan Hillman, Brady Aiken, one of those that are way down there in the system, I think I'd be more comfortable trading because by the time they're ready, that might be almost at the end of the Indians window. So I don't know if they, if they're more willing to trade those guys than the ones that are closer up. Mm -hmm. Tristan McKenzie has entered my no, no fly zone list. (laughs) Is he? That's not surprising. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to him later, but yeah. (laughs) Out of everybody at the lower level, he's the one guy I would not trade. No way. Interesting. I think, and Luke Roy is the name that keeps getting tossed out there as the guy the Indians are really after. I've seen even some some people on some actual verified baseball writers saying, like, the reason Luke Roy hasn't been dealt is because the Indians are still working out the specifics about who they're going to give for him. They just haven't figured it out yet. So I think if that happens... Zimmer or Frazier has to go as part of that deal. Uh, and then I think you're right. One of the pitching prospects is going to go and we're potentially, I could see someone maybe even like an Anderson or Cody Anderson, or maybe even Zach McAllister or someone going as a part of that too. Someone who's had a little bit of major league experience and has at least shown competency in the bullpen. <sighs> yeah, I could see that. I don't know if anybody believes in Cody Anderson much anymore. I think the smoke and mirrors from his first few starts is gone now. We all kind of see what he is. I don't know how much is actually there. But like you said, the major league experience maybe could draw something to him. But just as a future pitcher, I have no faith in him anymore. I don't know if other teams do. but As a starter, probably not. But 
Yeah, potentially if he's able to develop. And I, I think the first podcast I was on, we talked about how he didn't have a swing and miss pitch. If he ever finds that, I mean, with his fastball, with the velocity he's been able to find, it could be dangerous for a team down the line. Just probably I, not in Cleveland. I can I can uh, come in here with a, uh, an update on his swing and miss pitches. I saw his return from injury about a month ago when I went to go watch the, the Clippers play from the press box. And he had three strikeouts in two innings, and every single one of them was on a slider. Ooh. So that's something that he's added to his arsenal a little bit. And I agree. I think he should be a bullpen guy. If you watched almost every one of his starts this season, first inning or two, he was throwing 96-97, but by the third or fourth inning, he was back down to 94. That just screams to me that he's the type of guy that you bring in for two in- one or two innings if he can only keep that high velocity up for an inning or two. Yeah, that velocity is what got us excited prior to the season because he had that in spring training, and then mm-hmm. it was gone almost the second the season started. So, And another guy we didn't mention at all, um, not a pitcher, but what about Bobby Bradley? I mean, a ton of power. There's obviously some problems with his swing with the huge strikeouts. He's still only 19 or 20 right now, but he's another one that's a ways away. Is he one you think the Indians are going to be willing to deal? It, it It's tricky for me because you've got guys that compare to Bobby Bradley in the system right now with uh, Nelly Rodriguez and, and Jesus Aguilar, but Bradley's younger, hits a little bit more power, and has a little bit more patience. I don't know what he did recently, but he must have made some adjustment because he's striking out a little bit less and hitting for way better contact. He's, his batting average jumped a lot, but he stopped hitting as many home runs. So I don't know exactly what, what's been going on down there at Lynchburg, but he, he he did something to his swing or approach at the plate recently. And I'll be interested to see how that affects things moving forward, too, if that affects his power numbers long term or anything. I think if he gets moved, it's because there's a team out there that's had their eye on him for a while. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's necessarily a guy the Indians dangle, but if someone out there wants him, they might throw something our way that makes the front office go, hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Emily? I Does somebody think can't... other team would try to go after? <laughs> um, I would say other than, like, Sheffield was the one who really kind of stood out to me overall, but... It's really kind of a, it's, it's just an interesting time right now. I know we've had our, been scratching our heads a little bit from the Tigers perspective too, wondering which names are going to come up on the table, which ones bring the most value. Um, so I, it's, it's kind of a tricky time right now, but I think as we move a little bit closer to, to August 1st, it's going to shed some more light on it and we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have another little topic, but just system depth. I mean, we can touch on that real quick. The Indians have a really deep system. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. it's not top quite yet because the top talent isn't a bunch of Francisco Lindors. But, I mean, looking at the new pipeline ratings, I know you said you're looking at them, Brian, or earlier. But, I mean, like the 28th is Mike Poppy. 22 is Greg Allen. 21 is Greg Kaminsky. Even way down at the bottom, there's a bunch of really good players. That whole group that was in Lake County that moved up to uh, Lynchburg, like Tyler Krieger and, and even Connor Maribel mm-hmm. still down in Lake County. Yeah, and he's not even. How good is the system depth? (laughs) Yeah, he didn't even make the top twenty thirty, did he? No, he's not even in the top thirty. The system depth is insane right now because there are a lot of really good players that aren't even in the their their top thirty right now. Basically, what they did was they took the the top twenty three, except for um, what's his name, Uh, Naquin, and then they added in 
like the first six rounds of the Indians draft and then filtered them in. And then they also dumped uh, Ben Heller in at number 30, <laughs> who has been tremendous this season. And I definitely think he's going to be somebody they bring up by the end of the season for bullpen help. But uh, their, their system depth is astounding right now. And I, I think the reason that some of the guys maybe – aren't on the list that I think deserve to be on it is maybe they want to see how they do over more extended periods because uh, Maribel has been unbelievable. Uh, a guy like Matt Esparza is leading the entire system in strikeouts and is having a great season, just got promoted, and he's not on the list. So um, there, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of guys that are leading the leagues and in, in batting and a lot of guys that are stealing a ton of bases, a lot of guys – there, there is. There's like I, I, I almost want to see a top fifty list. Like I'm crazy enough, I might make one. <laughs> <laughs> I would read it. <laughs> I, I would agree with Brian. It was something that I noticed too when I was looking over um, the new midseason rankings that came out today. Any team that has a guy like Nelly Rodriguez at number twenty six, that just tells <laughs> you the depth that this program is working with. And I mean, it's it's literally a top 30, just full of just really young talent. And I think that's a big, big piece to what the team has to look forward to in the future, because I know a lot of clubs, and it's gonna require a lot of moves at the trade deadline, but a lot of clubs don't have that youth within their system that they can really depend on to cultivate and to bring up to the higher levels. And a lot of teams have to scratch to find, you know, someone to fill that void. But Cleveland is just completely stocked right now. And I think that there's there's a lot of really exciting things ahead. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing that helped them is they really hit the last, like, two or three drafts. And it wasn't just the top guys, which were all good as well. But they were hitting, like, Maribel was, like, a round 20 pick. And, and he is just tearing the cover off the ball. I think he's, like third or fourth in the entire system this year in batting average. And it literally just top to bottom, they had some great drafts. There's not a lot of guys in the last two or three years that are already washed out. Like they did a really good job. And so what I'm wondering is I definitely agree that it looks like we have this great depth in the system, but just looking at where some of the consensus ranking systems have us like baseball America at the beginning of the season had us as the 16th best system, uh, minor league ball, has us at 13th. Uh, there was an MILB.com article that had us at 16th. Baseball Prospectus has us at like 15th. So I'm wondering if it's just a matter of some of these guys that are a little bit lower in the system getting some of that exposure so that they have the time to make that impact. So maybe this time next year, you know, we'll be talking about how it's a consensus top five system uh, for from everyone's point of view it's just interesting that that some of these major websites and major uh, people in the media don't seem to have the same enthusiasm necessarily mm -hmm. about the system uh, I, I think it part of it was about players that were major league ready and we did not have many that were major league ready on our list i think out of the preseason top 30 the only one that was on it that has done really much of anything with the Indians has been Naquin. I mean, Clevenger, Morimando, uh, Merritt all had their cup of coffee. But the only one that has been up on the team and really stayed up on the team has been uh, Naquin. So a lot of these guys were a lot lower down and they want to maybe they just want to see more before they're, they're ready to believe, I think. 
Yeah, I think whether they mean to or not, there's a bias towards players that are just about to be ready. And like you said, these didn't have many. And next year, I think it's going to be kind of, they're going to have quite a few, well, not only be two, I guess, Frazier and Zimmer and Cleverdue is still technically a prospect, so he'll be ready. But it could be a parade. Yeah, it's about yeah, it's over the about, next few yeah, years. The parade is pop. about to start, and we should all be getting excited because we're about to get maybe not Lindor level, but all just a parade just coming through and trying out and and showing us what they got at the major league level, and it's it's going to be lasting for a good four to five years unless they trade the whole farm away. <laughs> Which hopefully, hopefully I don't want them to. Do. Hopefully they don't. <laughs> Another interesting thing about the the pipeline prospects is they had second the Indian second pick Nolan Jones number eight and the first pick Will Benson number ten which was kind of I don't think the Indians picked Benson a little high I think most people thought but I think that's kind of interesting yeah, Jones that, was going to be one that people thought the Indians could take with their first pick I saw yep, yeah, I'm glad to say they killed those two first rounds yeah that doesn't surprise me at all actually I think Jones was ranked higher than Benson and then. Since he's been drafted, Jones is hitting a little bit better. He hasn't had any extra base hits yet. It's all been singles. He's hitting for a higher average. But Benson's, you know, he's clubbed three home runs already. He's he had a game where I think he went had three doubles. So he's he's doing a nice job. He's he's developing as well. They're both, I think, high school uh, prospects, so they have a, a long ways to go. But I think the Indians did a nice job with those guys, and I'm I'm really excited about some of the the college pitchers they got actually. Um, the one guy that's on the list, uh, Aaron Cavell, he's only pitching two or three innings at a time with his starts, but he's only ever had one start so far where he's given up a run out of, I believe, five. So he's doing well, a nice he's job. He's number 20th. Mm-hmm. That's ahead of Rob Kaminsky now. Or Rob Kaminsky. He's, he's, <sighs> not even, he's not even having that bad of a year. He's been good since he came off the disabled list, and he dropped from uh, number 10. Pitcher. Yeah, yeah, he was number 10 on preseason and now he's 21 and we had him let's go try we had him at five <laughs> and, and he's not having a bad season he really isn't uh, well he didn't his curveball wasn't as good from what yeah. I early on that kind of soured people i guess but apparently it's back he's had a bunch of really good starts in a row and mm-hmm. most of his last start was good and he kind of fumbled at the end there but yep. yeah just kind of happens i think with prospects and the ranking prospect system can be quite quite tricky depending on what part of the season it is because i know for detroit there was a great deal of time that had dear dear stephen moya ranked at the very top of the list (laughs) and the numbers just weren't exactly backing that up so i think considering i think they uh they stay pretty good with the early season mid mid mid-season and then late season rankings so we'll see some shifting um a little bit later on too i'm sure well, just a quick question, speaking of Detroit prospects, where was Fulmer ranked in the system before he decided to destroy the world this year? Top of the list. Okay. Top of the list. And the interesting thing was when he came over um, to Detroit, he was actually, if I remember correctly, I believe he was number 10 for the Mets. He wasn't even the top of their list. And so when he came over, he came over with trumpets blaring and you know, people singing in the streets because it's <laughs> Detroit has been incredibly prospect starved for a very long time. And that's, that's a process that, you know, would create another two hours of conversation, which I'll spare you on that. But um, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, Fulmer was someone who came in, people weren't quite sure what to expect and he exceeded any and every expectation. I mean, his, his stuff is just incredible. So we're really, really happy to see where he's at. I mean, we're not, but <laughs> two sweeps two sweeps I mean, we can have this one season of being really good against the Tigers I think 
the Indians are allowed that. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll concur. I'll concur. But I would say this, too. I know that uh, my Indians prospect coverage has, it's been a fairly new development into this season. And one of the biggest things that's really stood out to me about, you know, studying the different levels, seeing the way the coaching is handled, it's a very well-handled prospect system. Um, I just, I see a lot of wisdom in how, how these young guys are coming up and that's the key to success in the minor league level. You know, you're going to take time with them. Don't push the arms too hard, you know, cultivate the the offense and the defense and you're going to see some really good fruit from it. Yep. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> so that's, that's basically our little lineups that we had uh, to talk about. So next we're going to get to social media questions, which of course, every Thursday, right before we record, I always ask on Twitter at let's go tribe. Uh, if anybody has any questions, this time I made it obviously focused on prospects, and I got a bunch of really good ones. So our first question, our first real question, is at XC Warrior. He wants to know, uh, is there any catcher in the system that can hit over 200 and still control the run game? I think the first answer is Mejia, but is there anybody else that anybody's noticed? Yep. Uh, I actually saw that one, so I looked it up. Uh, Daniel Salters is doing a good job. Uh, he was hitting very well at... Lynchburg, and when Mejia got promoted, they promoted Salters to, to double-A, and Salters throws out about 33% of base runners, and uh, you mentioned pitching or catching depth. They also have a guy named uh, Lijen Chu, who was a 22-year-old Taiwanese catcher. Um, you didn't hear anything from him last year because he had Tommy John surgery as a catcher, but... Uh, He's back. He got promoted up to Lake County. He's been doing a nice job. He's a good hitter, and he throws out about 33% as well. So they've got about three or four decent catching prospects, and I'm actually looking up Logan Ice right now. I want to see how he's been doing defensively. Offensively, he, he walks a lot. He's not hitting well yet since he got drafted, but let's see. Defensively, he has doing a really good job with uh, Mahoning Valley. He has caught nine guys out of 21 or out of 22. So that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the gist of his question was basically that Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez, mm-hmm. which I'll defend Perez. He should still be rehabbing basically, but yeah. neither have been hitting well and they're good on defense. Mm-hmm. So why don't the Indians have more catchers that can do that? But yep. don't worry about it forever. <laughs> There's at least one coming and maybe a couple others who or at least prospects of not superstars. Uh, anybody else uh, matter, Emily, that you've noticed other than Mejia? Um, I would say Mejia has been the one to really stick out to me the most. Um, like we were kind of talking about earlier, he does have a good arm. Um, so that's something that I think he is young, yes. But I think with time, that could definitely work to become even more of a good tool for him. Um, and from everything that I've seen and read, um, he sounds like he's headed in the direction of really being a well-rounded first overall. In my heart of hearts, while I would love for Signarf Loopstock to someday play in the <laughs> He's majors, got the name tool. He's got that for him. He does. Back. He's getting on base, you know. His OBP this year is 352, but that's in high A, so... 23 maybe we'll see him someday but it seems like a long shot <laughs> you did I, write that really great story on him before the season that his whole story in general is really good so i i did notice that the indians would when he was with lynchburg and split in time with salters the indians started uh, playing him around the field a little bit utility style he played some first base he played some outfield so that that's interesting because he's the only catcher in the system that that steals a decent amount of bases 
So he's got a little speed to him. So maybe that'll help. Little loop stock speed. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, so our next one was at Daniel Square E. Uh, he wants to know with high leverage relievers becoming so valuable again, would you rather see Sheffield develop into a closer or a three or four starter? And I mean, I think the answer with this one is you always would rather have a starter, even a three mm-hmm. or four, they're really good closer. And I mean, his walk issues are kind of back this season once he's reached high A, but not too worried about it yet. So Emily, what do you think? Would it be better for someone like Justice Sheffield? Because I know you said you've seen him a little bit to either be a closer or, or, or uh, like a three or four starter somewhere in there. Um, at first instinct, I would say probably three or four starter, um, just from the stuff that I have seen of him. And again, the track record I've seen from him, I think he has more of a durability, um, to be able to allow him to go more of a distance, which obviously for, you know, a closer, you're looking for somebody who can put up one or two good, strong innings, but I think he's got more to him, um, that he could contribute. So I would say definitely more of a three or four guy, in my opinion. And uh, my perspective, you look at what he would represent, and that would be, you know, a good left-handed reliever. And the Indians right now, they don't have any you know, major left-handed relieving prospects at double-A or triple-A. But at Lynchburg right now, they have three really good left-handed relievers. Um, Billy Strode, David Spear, and Cameron Hill. So Lynchburg is just loaded with lefties. They have four lefty starters and four and three really good lefty relievers. So I don't, I mean, if you convert him to a, a reliever that just, you know, kind of hurts some of these really good left-handed relieving prospects. They have at that exact same level that are going to be coming up at the exact same time anyway. And I think maybe they don't become closers, but I think any of those guys could become loogies and an upgrade over somebody like, uh, Kyle Crockett right now. And then with Sheffield, what I think is inevitable is that he'll come up in the major leagues. He'll have maybe like two or three really, really good months as a starter. Then he falls into a hole. So the Indians send him down to AAA. He comes back as a reliever. And then he'll be like the eighth straight guy the Indians do that with who becomes one of the best starters in baseball. It just seems like it's becoming their development path almost. Yeah, and I, I think the bottom line is you don't ever see someone doing well as a starter and think, boy, I wish he was a reliever. <laughs> right. There's even people that say, like, what if Mario Juan Rivera was that good as a starter? Maybe he was wasted as a closer. So even the best closers, you wish they were starters instead. So it always just kind of happens they wind up a reliever, I think. And like Emily said, the durabil- durability issues might be the reason he goes to the bullpen. But no, I'm hoping he's a starter. I would rather yeah, see him as a starter. I think it's pretty rare you have a guy like Houston Street who was just always always a closer they always knew he was going to be a bullpen arm and then that's all he's all he's really ever done from what i know so um next one is at crazy sean ball wants to know simply what's up with giovanni urshela <laughs> has anybody got a chance to see him or anything yeah, like that when, when i watched him play at that game um he came up to the plate he went over four that day every single time he hit the ball he drilled the crap out of it just went right to somebody so I think he's had some some bad, uh, bad luck with his hitting. Uh, his biggest issue right now is the fact that he doesn't draw a lot of walks. So plate approach needs some work in terms of working counts, having good at-bats. But other than that, I mean, he's major league ready defensively, and 
when he does hit the ball, I think he he hits it well. He's just been uh, a bit unlucky this season with a with a, an injury and and a, a couple slumps uh, mired with you know his hot streaks. Has he ever really been that good of a hitter though? I mean, it was last year somebody said that. You kind of have to gerrymander his stats to make him look like a good hitter in the minors, but he was good in 2014. That was kind of his breakout year, and then he, I believe, went to the Arizona Fall League after his 2014 season that that had him, you know, just launch up our rankings, and he hurt his knee, and then that affected him in spring training. Nothing, nothing really happened there, and then. He dealt with a bunch of injuries at AAA, got called up anyway, dealt with a bunch of injuries the whole season, didn't have a great season offensively, but still looked good defensively with the Indians. And then they signed Juan Uribe, which I think has really stunted his development a little bit too. Yeah, I think he'd probably be up. I don't think they would have started the season with Yanni Diaz if they hadn't signed Uribe. So yeah, it would have been your shot. Yeah, Diaz, Diaz started the year at AA because they were focusing on him at third base. Mm-hmm. And Urshela was at... And, and Diaz ended last season at Columbus, so he had to get demoted because <laughs> Urshela didn't uh, make the Indians out of, out of spring training. And I do have to wonder if the Indians would have even been better off with Urshela at third base because of how bad Uribe's hitting and he can't mm-hmm. play defense very well. So, I mean, yeah. I think Urshela can hit as well as Juan Uribe is, but play... Way, a lot yeah. better defense and younger, a lot younger. younger. Although they wouldn't have the whatever Juan Uribe brings to the clubhouse. If it's anything, there's something. Yeah, he's there, he's I mean. he's had something going with uh, a lot Those of our Amer- Latin America, a lot of our Latin America players. Like they love Juan Uribe, so you know he's kind of got that Jason Giambi vibe going with him right now. Yep, which I would rather be on the bench, but <laughs> it's good to have that kind of thing somewhere in the clubhouse. I think I would agree. So next one is at Shrock the World. He wants to know any update on Aiken's velocity and how the front office feels about it. So what this is, if anybody doesn't know, is a couple weeks ago, was in today's knuckleball, somebody said that there was a scout of the game where Brady's uh, Brady Aiken's velocity was somewhere in the low or the high 80s. It should be somewhere in like the mid to high 90s. Not at this point, but he's coming back for Tommy John surgery. That scout specifically mentioned that the Indians are worried about it, which... We don't know for sure if he actually knows. And then a recent start, um, there was another report that his velocity was in the 80s again. So I, mean, I don't think any of us know if the front office is worried about it. But should we be, do you think, this soon after Tommy John surgery? If his velocity is actually down? I think it's a little premature to say this soon after. Um, I know that that whole healing process, I spoke with them. Uh, he's actually just been designated for assignment now but someone who has spent quite a bit of time at the the major league level who had to have Tommy John and he said you know some people tend to jump to premature conclusions in the healing process and he said it is it's a very drawn out thing to where it's not something we're going to see one extreme improvement overnight it's a very gradual healing process and so I I would say personally it seems a bit early to show any real major concern, but maybe a little further down the road, if it's not getting back up to where it was originally, then you may want to start to uh, dig into it a little bit deeper. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. As soon as I heard it, I was thinking back to reading the arm and hearing about guys like uh, Daniel Hudson, which, I mean, he had two Tommy John surgeries he had to come back from, but it doesn't happen overnight. You got to work. It's got to, you got to build up the strength. You can't, and I think that you're discouraged from trying to throw as hard as you can, even when you feel like you can again. So it's a long, it's a long road and he's still young. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned yet, but if we're six months, a year from now, and he's still not where he was, that's when you start to get worried. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely on team don't jump to conclusions here because look at uh, one of our, our top pitching prospects right now, Mike Clevenger. How did we get him? Because the Angels panicked because he wasn't pitching well after Tommy John surgery and they gave him up for what, you know, the, the remains the remains of Vinny Pistano. <laughs> the walking corpse of Vinny Pistano. <laughs> yeah. So but I think giving up on Brady Aiken after like five or six starts where he's gone two or three innings tops would be the biggest mistake they could possibly make. And I, and I think a lot of people, like who even knows how legitimate this report was? Like, did that guy really talk to Indians front office people? Right. Like, it was just one guy in one article, and a lot of people, you know, just jumped all over that. So I, I would like to hear from Indians front office people before I, I, you know, start panicking. And for some reason, I don't think they would come out and say that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> just hold a press conference just to tell us they're worried about one of their top pitching prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll happen. Yeah, so, I, I think yeah, next season he'll be back to throwing at least low nineties as he starts to work the, vo- the velocity up. Yeah, and some people mention now that, and even Matt mentioned that that he could just be working on getting used to pitching again because Tommy John mm-hmm. isn't the same for everybody, and some people come back from it right away and their velocity's fine, but a lot of them don't. So. We've got kind of complacent in how well people come back from it, but it's not always the exact same process. So next one, uh, we've been talking a lot about catchers. And here's one I don't think we mentioned it all yet from Hiram Boyd on Twitter. He wants to know, what does Anthony Santander have to do to make it in the top 30 prospect? I, I feel for Anthony Santander. He was, you know, I was going through my list of guys that are flying under the radar and and he's having an amazing season with Lynchburg. He's batting like 291. He's, I think, second on the team in home runs. He's like top 10 in the Carolina league in doubles, OPS, home runs, slugging, average, you name it. And hasn't put been put on any list whatsoever. Didn't even make the top 30. And he's only, you know, what, 20, 21 years old so out, of, out of Venezuela. I mean, he's been with the team for a while now. I think he was one of those guys that they signed as a teenager and put him in the, the DSL and stuff. So he's been working his way up, but, but he's a, a solid player. I think, the biggest issue with him that might be keeping him out of uh, the big rankings is defensively. I've noticed that he is DH'd a lot in while well, he's splitting time at, with left field in uh, the Lynchburg outfield. So that would not be a, a shocker to me that that could be affecting maybe his prospect ranking. Yeah, because I mean, doing the, the minor league reports like you do not. Well, like we each do them half a week, so I see quite a bit of him too. But he's definitely one that always pops up. I don't think of him mm-hmm. outside of those, but his name is always up there. And when I'm looking at how many people have a lot of hits and a really good looking game, so yeah, and I've, maybe eventually I've, I've done those minor league player of the week articles now for oh, a yeah, couple he's months now, <laughs> and he's one of the few that has made it three or more times. Like with Tyler Krieger, Greg Allen, and and Francisco Mejia, those are the only ones that I think that have made it three or more times, and Santander's the other one. Oh, and maybe he'll be the kind of guy who, I mean, it'd be great if he does the Albert Pujols thing and he gets this chip on his shoulder where he has to prove the universe wrong for 12 seasons by being the best mm-hmm. player ever. But it, it's not a bad thing that he's flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. hope he continues to develop. And, I mean, even a guy like Naquin, who was pretty consistent pushing every league he was in, made his debut this year at he's 24, right? Yeah, he was 24, 25. He's pretty old for a debut. Well, not pretty old, but yeah, I mean, he had a higher yeah. edge of debuting. Yeah, I think the only thing that kept Naquin from maybe debuting a year earlier was just injuries. Like he had a lot of injuries at Double A AA and Triple A uh, the last two seasons of his development. So, um, yeah, yeah I, 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 about that. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see Santander making his making a 
a stop with the Indians or getting traded. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, he's he's definitely a guy that I think deserves a lot more recognition. He he would be on my top thirty list if I had one. So Matt, can I put you down for a comp for Anthony Santander as Albert Pujols? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Hold on. We'll put that out there that Matt Schlichting has compared Anthony Santander to Albert Pujols. <laughs> it's just Emily, have you ever heard of him? It. Got the guys to see him. Let the record show. <laughs> um, no, I have actually not gotten the chance to see him in person. But I, and again, um, if I do seem a little quiet on some, I completely agree with what you guys are saying on him as well. It's something that, um, you know, he's he's moving in a good direction, and I would definitely put stock in him just from what I have read up on, and um, definitely would agree with what you've said so far. Yep, I don't see him as one that he's like a prospect that sticks out, and he's kind of deep in the system. I think at this point, he's behind a couple other catchers. You said Daniel Daniel Salter's a lot in Mejia, but yeah, I'd like to see him debut at some point. Probably won't be for a while still, but um, so this question I like a lot because I have a very specific couple of answers. Um, at pieces of Junkin on Twitter asks, who are our top options in the minors that could replace Cody Allen at closer eventually? I think Brian and I are going to probably have the same answer for this, so yeah. <laughs> you can go ben, ahead first. Ben Heller. Yeah. <laughs> he is fantastic. Uh, the, the the game I went to, the in the, the the Clippers lost 10 nothing to the Mud Hens, just got clobbered. But Ben Heller came in because they needed a you – know, they, they just needed to stop the bleeding, and he just blew everyone away. He was throwing 97. Um, I, I think he's just got a cannon for an arm. I wouldn't be shocked to see him – uh, once he makes it to the majors, throw even harder. Um, I, I definitely think if there's anybody in the system that is going to be the future closer, it's him. Yeah, for sure. And I want um, either him or another reliever I like a lot who – I think he's still in double A. I don't know if you got about the triple A. It was J.P. Fire Eisen. Yep. I think he's going to be another one. He may even be just be the setup man, but those two in the back of a bullpen in the future, that gets me all tingly. It's a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love me some J.P. Fire Eisen. He's a really talented one. He, he only throws like low to mid-90s, but he just has really wicked stuff. So I think uh, he's definitely a future reliever on the Indians. Maybe even next year. Yeah, I think both of them could be up next year at some point. I think and Heller finally made the top yeah. 30. Yep. Yeah. And, and what's impressive about Heller making the top 30 is the fact that he made the top 30 while six other players dropped off. And they added like six or seven draft picks. So... That, that he still made the top 30, even if it is at number 30. That, that means he's doing something right. Yeah, for sure. Just a reliever <laughs> getting on the list is pretty huge, I think. I would um, agree on Heller, too. That was definitely something I was going to say. Like, just the numbers he has put up. Walks are low. Um, K's, K rate is, is very, very good. Just he's, he's somebody that I think has enough going for him that, like you said, even though he landed at 30, He's he's grabbing attention, and that's really the biggest thing. If you're doing enough to grab attention to land you on that list, I think that's plenty of reason to believe in what somebody could do. Yeah, yeah I think if, you mentioned before, before, Brian, that it's even other teams are noticing how good he is, and he's hitting over 100 consistently, and there's a lot of people noticing Ben Heller right now, and he's got a lot of bright future, I think. And I think if there's another candidate that at least could be a back-end type of guy, it's uh, Sean Armstrong, who was on the list last season, He's been kind of mired in Columbus all season. He got called up to get sent down the next day for the Indians, I think, this year. Hasn't pitched with them. But he has the the highest strikeout rate of any reliever in the system. His only issue is he has, I think, the highest walk rate. So yeah, it's like a the, six, 
walks yeah, per it, or not six walks per night. It's a lot. Yeah, per it's night. a lot. And if he gets the walks under control, I think Armstrong definitely will be a big time contributor for the Indians bullpen in the future as well. Yeah, he was going to be my answer before the season. Was mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to make Cody Allen expendable, but then he just started walking everybody. <laughs> He'd be more tense to watch than Brian Shaw, I think. I, I, th- <laughs> I think Armstrong uh, last season pitched with the Indians like what, 10 scoreless innings or something. He, yeah, he, he was good, good with job. the Indians last season. That's why I thought this season he would have a chance. But yeah, he's I'm, got I'm, I'm really surprised out of all the people they've called up this year, they never gave uh, Armstrong a chance to pitch in the, the bullpen. I thought they did once. Maybe they didn't. Am I thinking they they called him up, but he didn't pitch. Okay. He, yeah. he got sent down like the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was brought up specifically in like an emergency situation. That was after the 19 inning game, I think, when everything I was insane. So. Okay. Any other answers besides Heller, Matt? I just Which, don't. If there are, you're wrong. I don't believe in closers. I'll be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, was reading, I was reading the only thing it has to work the only rule is it has to work, and they're talking about how the third time through the lineup for a starter is when everything tends to go wrong. And definitely that ends up being more pronounced in, you know, Sonoma than it would in Cleveland. But I just want to see a team. Just kick the kicker or the closer roll? Just do it. Whoever <laughs> happens to be the best guy, bring him in if there's two guys on and it's the fifth inning and you need to get out because the starter's dying. And then it's just, there's the line in the book, the closer is the closer because he's the closer. And I just, I want to go find the man who said that and punch him in the gut just because, just because. (laughs) The only problem is as long as they get paid for closes or for saves, it's going to stay. Right. I just think it's it's insanity that someone could get paid $8 million a season to come in with a two run (laughs) lead and not lose. Like, I could probably save a good number of games just by putting the ball <laughs> over the plate and having people hit line drives to somebody. Yeah. But yeah. I, I agree that Heller looks awesome, and a guy with a name like Fireheisen has to be the guy who comes in in like the eighth or seventh inning when things are getting out of control because his name sounds like Fire Hydrant. It just <laughs> no, his name's sense. even better. It's Fire Risen. Ah. <laughs> Fire is Risen. <laughs> I know how to spell his name because... The first time I wrote an article about him, his mom emailed me and told me I spelled it wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> now she follows us. So it's great. That's the reason I like JP so much. And he's a really good pitcher that also helps. So our final question um, is also from Pieces of Junkin. Unless I wrote that down wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was him too. Uh, he wants to know our top five prospects in the organization. I'm going to let Emily go first because I think she's going to have a different view than we might. And I don't want her to get spoiled Scared. by what I see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I would say right off the cuff, I could easily dig pretty close into this very quickly. But um, Frazier and Zimmer, I've got to go with them. Um, They're just too electric to not grab attention. Um, Mejia, obviously, this is in no particular order, by the way, just Mm -hmm. because it's... Oh, come on. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, And then... So let me, you know, counting is probably good. So that would put it at three. <laughs> yep. um, I would say probably after that, Clevenger. And I am a big fan of Adam. I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Pletko. Oh, yeah. You nailed it. It's Pletko. Yeah. Plet- Pletko. Yes. So hopefully you can edit that part of the podcast. But um, <laughs> no, I've, I've been kind of watching him a little bit. Um, I don't think his numbers are completely... He's shocking, but there's just something about the way that he delivers, the way that he handles himself, that I have just found to be very, very intriguing. So I would say he would round out my top five. 
you mentioned spelling his name wrong and somebody Columbus dispatched the whole article. They called him Flutco, which <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And I think Brian, yeah. you brought that up in his interview. Oh right yeah. Afterwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> got a, got a good laugh out of him for that. You always, you always got to open with the joke. You get him to laugh with your first question. You're golden. <laughs> okay. So why don't you go next, Brian? Who are your top five prospects? Okay. Well, Frazier Zimmer, one, two interchangeable for me. I would maybe go Zimmer higher just because I think his tools, well-roundedness are are there a little bit more. So I'll go Zimmer one, Frazier two, three, Mejia, four, Tristan McKenzie. I love that kid oh, that wow. much. <laughs> he has not given up more than one run in any of his starts this year. I think he could be like a future ace. That's how good I think he could be. Um, especially if he puts some meat on his bones, because he's still like 6'3", 6'4", 165 pounds. If he adds some muscle to his frame, I think he could be throwing mid to high 90s. Like this kid, I think I think the world of him. I really do. He is my shining star of the future, Tristan McKenzie. And then uh, number five, you know, looking at all the lists, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bob Lee Bradley. Just because of dingers <laughs> the dingers yeah can't go wrong with that can't go wrong with the dingers <laughs> what about you matt again it's zimmer frazier at the top in no particular order future simon and garfunkel of the outfield <laughs> um i want to take clevenger next at three because i agree that he's got the stuff uh, and can definitely be a valuable guy moving forward and i mean especially since we picked him up for cheap because the angels thought he was dead uh, I would even put Bobby Bradley at four just because that kind of power these days is not easy to find. And someone on Let's Go Tribe did a fan post, I think in the off season. It might have been Yo Daddy Wags, just showing his ISO compared to other prospects. And he's like other past prospects. And he's up there with guys like Alex Rodriguez and Mike Trout and like just guys who hit the cover off the ball. He's in that league when it comes to that statistic. And that makes me ramble on in an excited voice like this for far too long about it. <laughs> it's just, ugh. And then at number five, a lot of people, I've seen Brady Aiken crack the top five lists. Just from raw talent, I think he belongs because he was a guy before the the elbow injuries they're saying three plus pitches at, at least plus possibly like 75 out of 80 overall. So I think just on the pure potential, you got to put him in the top five. And I agree that Tristan McKenzie looks like a total stud, but he's, you just look at the, look at the tools that Aiken has. And it's, it's exciting if he can put it back together. And mine, I thought my, I don't want to say controversial, but big stand would have been that Zimmer is one over, or Frazier is one over Zimmer just slightly. I thought a lot of people had a bigger gap there, but yeah, I think they're basically interchangeable. I think everybody's kind of forgetting about Zimmer's defense in center field and his power, but I still have Frazier ahead of him just by like the slightest hair. And then so Zimmer, or Frazier, then Zimmer, then Mejia third, Mike Clevenger, I have four because. I mean, I still like him a lot. I don't think he was too terrible when he came up. It was just one or two bad pitches. We saw his breaking stuff was incredible. It just couldn't find the zone at times. Um, and then five, Brady Aiken. I kind of started the the panic storm on Let's Go Tribe by sharing that today's knuckleball post. But <laughs> I'm not one that's worried about it that much either. So 
I think his potential's there. And I mean, between Clevenger, Aiken, and McKenzie, they're basically like Zimmer and Frazier. And I think they will be going up to the minors. Or Aiken and McKenzie will be going up to the minors. They're going to be really good and probably right around each other. And in a few years, that's going to be a really good rotation if one or both of them make it. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike Mejia at all. I'm just... No, you clearly do. I mean, you hate him. <laughs> the worst. The hit streak's incredible. <laughs> it's just, I wonder... I'm interested to see how he plays, you know, the four or five months of baseball after the hit streak's over. Like, how does he adjust back to real life? And I think that'll be pretty telling <laughs> as to the what type if, of player that he is. What if the hit streak never ends? <laughs> I would Francisco Mejia is on a 4,300 game hit streak. <laughs> He's now 37 years old. <laughs> Unconfirmed reports that his arms have fallen off. <laughs> then we're all going to find Matt and yell at him for not putting him in the top three. <laughs> no, I think Matt's just bitter about the fact that he was saying Magia for so long. That could be. But that's that obviously what it is. <laughs> we're on to you, Matt. Yeah. Is he like Albert Pujols? No. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, so this is a really good show. That was really cool. We never really talked about prospects much. Jason doesn't really consider, consider himself a prospect guy. I only re- recently started following him, so this was a lot of fun. I don't know if you guys like doing it, but it was really I cool. I love doing it. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. Like Whenever I'm talking to Indians fans or my friends that like the Indians, they, they always get annoyed at when I start just rambling about Indians prospects. Welcome to my world. That's <laughs> all I all I talk about, and I'll talk about some random Venezuelan seventeen year old. And my dear sweet patient friends will look at me and go, "We don't know what you're talking about right now." <laughs> so that's why I love doing things like this, and I really did have a blast with you guys. <laughs> that's how we know we're doing the right thing if we're knowing. Our <laughs> the only thing that I haven't enjoyed is that I had to turn my window AC off to do the recording and it's now about 90 degrees in my apartment right now so, so that's hour one of the podcast done let's yeah. do the second hour <laughs> yeah i'm re- i'm ready we can so talk pokemon was... go oh. and <laughs> i think that's my cue to log off <laughs> I, I just caught a snorlax jason oh that's not or uh, matt sorry <laughs> jason doesn't even play i can't get him to yeah, play yeah. i try it and, I, and I, I had to go did you hatch it oh i caught it oh geez I, I i downloaded some program that shows you what are in your area Nice. <laughs> and there was one on a creepy road where I had to like go into like this murder near this murder barn. <laughs> and it finally popped. That's up where Snorlax like it. hang out. Everybody knows. Yeah, that. murder oh, barn. I was. It was murder the best. Barn? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was terrifying, but it was worth it for the Snorlax. So just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, I got a Nido King, so I'm happy. That's my favorite. That's always been my favorite Pokemon. And I got that, so I'm good. If we want to talk about things happening last week, I got stung by a bee 42 times. Well, 42 bees, I guess. Yeah. Ah, so that's that's why you disappeared on us. Yeah, because I was I had a lot of I had an IV of Benadryl, which oh my goodness. that does something to you. Oh my word! <laughs> yeah, we had a nest right near our door apparently, and I walked by. I don't know if oh. I bumped it, but there was one sting. I ran away. I didn't know where it was, so I ran back to the door, and there was like a wall of them. Oh gosh! Yeah, that wasn't fun. How many yeah. people have been making Dr. B's jokes at you? <laughs> well, the worst is I use Snapchat and it's like a bee filter and it alters your voice and it puts bees all over the screen and people keep sending it. Does this trigger you now or what? <laughs> like, no, not the bees. <laughs> well, can so, I say how much I appreciate it? I think it was Matt who said, you said you put Fraser just ahead of Zimmer in your mm-hmm. top five. 
I don't know if anybody else caught that, but you put him ahead by a hair. Talking about oh, oh yeah! Wow, I caught it. No, he he totally did it on purpose. No, I didn't do that on purpose. And I wanted I wanted to just take credit for it. Damn it! I wish I could. I didn't think of that. It's <laughs> incredible, moment. though. <laughs> I will it say, was... when I saw him in person, like if you catch it right in the sunlight, it glows a little bit. It does. Because I he's... saw a night game, and the sun goes through it, and you can see how bright it is. He's literally like. He's built like a boulder, and then he's he got is. this like pile of red hair, and it's like the sun comes out, and you go, "What are you?" <laughs> I've been you saying since he's been popular are. on Twitter. I can't see, wait to see what his personality is like in the majors when he gets a camera on a lot. He's going to be fun, I think. He is a character. I know he is probably the biggest Johnny Manziel fan on the planet. Well, oh boy, that oh oh. <laughs> yeah. We he's a good guy everything. though. We chatted a bit. He's yeah, he's he definitely great. a good guy, but. Uh, yeah, while we're talking relief pitchers, there's uh, somebody moving up in Detroit's ranks. So, gotta gotta <laughs> brag on that a little bit. <laughs> and the Twins traded Eduardo Nunez and not to the Indians, so there's that. Yes. Going to San Francisco, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's not on the scoreboard. And, that actually happened. The Twins scoreboard <laughs> is going to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned in the in the chat that the scoreboard already has its own account, which of course it does. Yeah, that, that's my favorite thing about the internet is the second <laughs> something goofy happens, it gets its own Twitter account. Yeah, that's great. So before we burn Matt to death, uh, let's kind of go around and just tell everyone where they can find you online, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, wherever you are. What about you, Brian? You can go first. Well, I have two Twitter accounts, actually. I have one for my regular work because I'm also uh, an editor for a mixed martial arts website, and that's just at Brian Hemminger. Super easy. And then I created another Twitter account that I only follow Indians prospects and stuff to do with the Indians, and that one's uh, Tribe Time LGT. So, okay, you cool. can uh, follow either of those if you want. What about you, Matt? Uh, on Twitter, it's at Matt Schlichting. You'll figure out the spelling, and if you don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, there's only like six of us, I think, in the country, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, and then, of course, on Let's Go Tribe. Uh, most of the time it's Sundays and Mondays and then occasionally something gets examined on like a Wednesday. Yeah, I'd like to point out that Brian didn't even mention um, letsgotribe.com, which is cool. That's fine, Brian. <laughs> I don't, whatever. Well, Tribe Time LGT is the other. <laughs> okay, that counts. Okay. Matt doesn't even have it in his priorities. I, I, do, I priorities. do have it in my, my Twitter bio now. <laughs> okay, that counts. <laughs> what about you, Emily? Uh, it's just Emily Walden. 2080. Emily Walden, 2080. Cool. And you do a lot of photography for the Tigers minor league stuff? Yes, I do. Uh, this is my second season. I uh, started out just doing some low A stuff and branched out to covering anybody and everybody. And the fun part about it is when I've been building some connections with a lot of, uh, a lot of the Indians minor league staff. So that's really opened up a lot of doors and develop some new opportunities. So I'm really enjoying being able to watch a lot of these guys develop. Cool. Awesome. Well, of course, you can always find Let's Go Tribe stuff at letsgotribe.com on Facebook. Um, wait, the Twitter is not letsgotribe.com. Twitter is at letsgotribe and then at letsgotribe.com. You can find the website. You probably already know that. Um, and yeah, that was a really fun show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm.